0: Welcome, everybody, to the Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. So this is episode five. I know that you've been seeing another podcast where we talked about it being episode six and eight and four. Those were completely wrong because initially recorded eight podcasts, four of them were video podcasts, and four of them were regular podcasts, audio only. And we ended up losing those video podcasts and had to change our format where we do an in the studio episode instead. And we have audio podcasts every week. And so here we are, we are on episode five, Ignore those previous numbers, and we're up to par. Our production level's gone up. We have a new setup here where we're actually in the same booth together recording, and so we feel like this is going to be a much better format for us to get a lot more quality out of these podcasts, and hopefully, be more fun for you guys to listen to.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, the video quality was just really poor on the yeah. video podcast, and so, um, and further inspection, we saw that we we tried setting up, you know, the video podcast remotely. And there's just the, the audio and video recording just wasn't syncing up. The video just went to crap and it was just bad. So
0: it's definitely a challenge. So hats off to you guys at Improve Photography who pull it off. We know that Jim Harmer, you probably did a lot of work to make that happen and make the Skype calls work out as high a quality as you do. So uh, mm-hmm. hats off to you guys. So here we are. We're talking about our trip to Mirror Lake. Why did we go to Mirror Lake, Brendan?
1: Well, Mirror Lake. Um was something you were kind of looking for you were looking for a lake that was small that we could get a good reflection of the milky yeah. way and we tried finding a place before we did some scouting we tried to find this little blue lake but the road was closed it was snowed in we only got like halfway up the road yeah. and thought no
0: way it's too dangerous far so, too early in the season to do that so
1: and then after that we tried looking for the lake some uh, like the pond there's a duck reserve by the side. Yeah, and we just
0: happened upon that heading out to a yeah. trestle, and we saw over in the and left reflection. it was in reflection. the right spot,
1: but it just didn't give us the access we needed. There's a fence in the way. There's lights on the other side of the, that pond or that reservoir, or whatever yeah. it was, with houses and stuff. So that didn't quite work out as well as we wanted we
0: to. We needed to did. get right up on the shoreline to actually see more of the Milky Way, and we couldn't. And so we either needed a high, tall ladder or some position to be from, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen. Nothing yeah. was working out.
1: So I guess you found Mirror Lake... Yeah, um,
0: I had a friend maps. of mine mention that he went out to this area in the Uintas mm-hmm. that's really awesome. There's some lakes out there, and every time I look at it, the one of the larger of the lakes is a lake called Mirror Lake. And so just by name alone, obviously, it seemed the right place to go.
1: Right, so we were hoping for glassy reflections, and, you know, I think we kind of got that that night. So
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, this area out past Canvas is a beautiful area in the Uintas. We're very lucky to have this so close by. It was, what, an hour drive from home?
1: Yeah, it it really was. As you're aware in your area, there's probably a mirror lake in almost every state in the Union. So um, every state has a mirror lake, I'm sure. So (laughs) um, it seems to be very popular. Like people just out exploring, they're like, hey, this lake is really still. It looks like a mirror. So, I, so our Mirror Lake is going to be different from yours, but this is the Mirror Lake in outside Camas, and actually it's in Hannah.
0: So once we arrived there at Mirror Lake, it was a right time with the sun not setting too low. Golden hour was beginning soon, and we thought this would be perfect for having drone footage in golden hour. We didn't have anything we needed to capture. The sky was pretty empty, void of clouds. It wasn't going to be one of those sunset moments that we regretted not having our cameras out. So the drone was perfect.
1: Well, let me just say a quick thing about the drone. The batteries were half-charged on every single <laughs> pack that I had. I had three batteries for this thing. You had one job. And, and I thought that they were fully charged because I didn't <laughs> use them, but they slowly drain themselves if you don't use them. And uh, so um, they, like, go down 5% each day. They're is that
0: specific to, to drone batteries? Because I don't have that bad particular problem with setup, batteries. You can
1: batteries. this you can actually program the batteries to do that. Oh, So okay. they're pretty cool um, in that respect that they don't, like, they won't, like, burst into flames because they're actually slowly uh-huh. lowering the power. So um, this is a safety precaution, I think. But I didn't realize that they were f- only 50% charged in each, each battery. So we would have been out there a lot longer. We
0: would have, yeah. If
1: I had charged the battery completely. So it's almost like this instant of need, like, fumbling with the batteries (laughs) and, like, only getting a couple, you know, few, like, maybe three or four minutes of flight time per battery for, like, to try to land. And so um, (laughs) we were just, like, in this pickle. Where it's like, well, well, you know, we can do whatever we can with the footage we have now. We couldn't even take the drone out very high. And it was just all kinds of crazy things were happening. So it only gave us a certain amount of time to fly the drone. And it seemed about a third of the time or maybe even a quarter of the time that we normally would have with fully charged batteries. So that experience of the drone not working the way we wanted it to um, gave yeah. us just the right time to start packing up and then Royce pulled up. So I was like.
0: Yeah, there know. really was this lucky window that we could have gone longer with the drone but we can't right. because these batteries are dead. And because of the timing and the sunset, we didn't go out and do something else first and get away from the parking lot. Because being still in the parking lot, packing our stuff, another car pulls up and the guy's like, What you doing? I'm like, oh, we're going to go out and capture some Milky Way tonight. It's going to be pretty sweet. He goes, hey, me too. That's what we're going to be out here doing. So I looked at the guy, and I could recognize him. And I was thinking, okay, I'm recognizing him, and I think he might be. So let me introduce myself with my name and see if he tells me his name. I said, hey, hey, I'm Aaron King. And he reaches his hand out, shakes my hand, and says, hey, I'm Royce Bear, Royce Bear. I knew it. I looked at his face and smiled and said, hey, man, I just bought your book last night. I'm still mid-shake of his hand telling him, I just bought your book. Mm-hmm. I went online, and I got the ebook off your website just last night. We were going out to this location. I was doing more astrophotography, and I just can't sleep the night before, and I wanted to read something astrophotography. i have already been through David Kingham's book in Nightscapes. I needed something else, and I found Royce's website. I found his stuff. And I'm loving his book. And here he was, the guy himself, the man himself, the professional photographer, an author who's been published, and tons of followers for Royce Bear. I was so stoked to have him. And even better, he said himself, Hey, well, would you guys want to hang out with us tonight? And, and that, we're like, Yeah. <laughs> no brainer. So the funny thing is, I wanted to say is that when we came out with him, we went and did the first shots. It was either right before or after. I think it was right before we started taking the shots. I pulled out my iPad and went to his cover page and I took a picture of it, pulled it into one of my apps that allowed me to use my Apple Pencil and write on top of it. And I asked him to sign my ebook and he laughed. It was probably the only time he's ever been asked to sign an ebook. We know yeah. that a published book, a printed book, you can do that. And that's probably something quite normal. But he had never once been asked, hey, sign my PDF. Sign yeah. my ebook that I have on this bit on and this the new, iPad, and the,
1: new, and the new iPad lets you do that, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm possibly quite possibly the first person ever to do it because the iPad only came out with the pencil only last November, mm-hmm. and so we're talking in July. I am possibly the one person in the world who said, "Hey, I got an author of a book to sign it on my iPad." And I'm going to keep that thing maybe, forever. Maybe. I love it. The Apple Pencil works great. Someone so online might great.
1: challenge you that, but that's a good you know.
0: <laughs> Tell me in the challenge. comments. If you guys actually have done it before me, I'd love to hear it because <laughs> I felt like it was a genius idea. Now that we've talked about Royce bear, we talked about how cool it is to be in this area. We want to talk about what went well with our photography and what could have gone better. And we'll do that here in the segment after this quick break. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're talking about what went well and what could have gone better and what we learned from going on this specific trip and how we could get better with our photography. So let's start
1: off with you, Brendan. What went well? So I really like the location in general. I mean, when we pulled up the parking lot, there were people in little boats. There were people fishing and people getting out of the car and walking around on the trails and hiking around. And it was just, there was a cool energy to that area. I mean, there was there's people out doing stuff. and
0: I'm always surprised when we go to some place that we think, "Yeah, it could be fun to go out there. Let's try it out. And then there's people with family with large vehicles and large RVs and camping.
1: Yeah, we were definitely not the only ones there.
0: And It's not like it's hard to find on the map, but I'm always surprised by how many people are already thinking to be there and have been there and were there the same day and same yeah, time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's... it's yeah, it's very cool, actually. <laughs> it's probably the city know?
0: boy in me talking when I say that, but I'm just surprised <laughs> that so many other people decide to go out there and get in nature.
1: Yeah, so the location was great. I mean, it was a stellar place. Um, and the drive was, you know, without, everything went without a hitch. Just got there easily, no problems. So um, the other thing that went well for me is all the equipment that we had, seemed to be adequate everything worked well i don't remember anything major glitching my time lapse that i did over the mirror lake was probably one of my best yet up to this point point. and it's so, too bad it's so short and it was too short it was only like 90 frames so i wish yeah. it was long so i apologize guys all the best stuff seems to be so short well it's really and hard
0: <laughs> to be out there you're capturing with that camera you're going out and getting milky way shots we have a limited time as it is as you're racing with the clouds and racing with the milky way It's easy to forgive you for not putting your camera into time-lapse mode and just sitting there and watching the rest of us.
1: Well, the other thing was, yeah, and so it's, you know, it's hard doing that because there's nothing else you can do. But we were also borrowing Royce's lights at the time, too. And he was already done taking his shots. And he said, hey, you can use the lights, guys. Just, you know, bring them back to my car when you're done. And so I felt bad. And I'm like, I don't want to be out for hours and hours. (laughs) While he's waiting, in his car for yeah, his I mean, lights he's to come sleeping, back to him. but he
0: wasn't planning on staying there for too
1: many hours, right? Sleeping. And so I was just like, ah, okay. Well, if you're done, I guess I can be done. And then it ended up being just 90 shots. So, um, awesome, awesome time lapse. One of my favorites so far, and just the quality and everything. I could just see, like after doing this a few times, the quality just was bumped up huge. So I was really happy with the time lapse. I just wish it was longer. Um, and then the other thing that went really well was just the tips that Royce gave us while we were standing next to him taking pictures in his favorite spots there because he'd been there a few times right. and he had favorite spots. And so he showed us some of his favorite spots and we got like some little camera tips like, hey, set your Kelvin level to, you know, 36 to 3,800. At this point, I was blue. always using cool. copper color. I was
0: always using that nice uh, like orangey copper color for the Milky Way. Right. And thinking that was better. I didn't realize how much better it could be with the nice blue 3,800 Kelvin.
1: Yeah, because it still lets a little bit of the yellow in, but it just cools down. The stars are cooler, and the sky is a little yeah. cooler, and everything just looks really nice at that color temperature. So we were like, that, I was just set to auto, so yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. And now I've always set my Kelvin level, level now and not just leave it in auto all the time.
0: Obviously, we can do it with the RAWs in Lightroom afterwards, and it was not a big deal what we chose but just having that blue there in your on your LCD screen, seeing in your shots, it helped you know whether you were gonna like the shot or not a little bit more. At least right. my personal preference, I felt like I could see what I was getting out of it right away, and I should have been there the, always. I should have always had that. And that's what he had mentioned. There.
1: He said, "Hey, it'll look it looks nicer in your LCD screen." And we tried it, and we're just like, "Wow, he's right! Like, wow, that was a really cool tip! Like, awesome!" Yeah. So.
0: I was staying around 5,700 solidly up until that point, And then I've never been up that far ever since. Right. What went well for me was that Milky Way shot that we were capturing. We really wanted to reflect in the water and it worked. It actually mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. So I think that went awesome for me. The other thing is, is that I have this crop sensor where it has a crop factor that changes the millimeter of my lens. So My 24 millimeter Rokinon becomes something in the 30s. Mm. I needed something bigger Royce showed us this amazing Tamron 15 to 30 millimeter Mm -hmm. lens when we were leaving our first location he showed us this in the front element it looked like it was a space astronaut helmet it was amazingly large looked beautiful so I was already jealous that my crop sensor was bringing in my 24 millimeter much more telephoto and then he offered to loan me his other 15 millimeter, not that awesome, awesome one on the Tamron, but a great quality Canon 15 millimeter that worked well for my crop oh, sensor. Okay. And I used that and that went awesome. The thing I was noticing right away is the fisheye in it. I had a lot more fisheye. And so I was getting a curve when I would put the horizon too high or too low on my lens. So mm. I had to make my panorama around that middle horizon. And that mm. still stitched really well. You can see it in this picture that you can check on the video where it's a little bit curved on the edge and there's some trees that are weirdly skewed and distorted, but that's it. And that's pretty minor compared to the rest of the scene. And if I hadn't had that 15 millimeter lens, I couldn't have taken in so much environment and it wouldn't have been that good of a shot.
1: Sure. So it was awesome him being there because we used his lights, <laughs> we used his lens, his expertise. And we used some of his expertise and his locations. I mean, it was just like awesome that he was there. Oh, it was, it was just so perfect timing. fun.
0: We were out there doing something we loved, and someone showed up who loved it just as much as us, and has been doing it for years. So mm-hmm. we gained information from him. We had a buddy who just loved it as much as we do, and we hung out with him. I, I, I hope we get a chance to do that again with him because he was a blast, and what a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So one last good thing that went well for me before we go on to the next segment and do our what could have gone better, what we learned from this trip. I wanna talk about this LED light that I purchased for the GoPro. This is something outside of my photography, but for the Photog Adventures channel, it's critical. We have a lot of videos. Some of you have seen them already where we have complete darkness. And maybe you can see a little bit of our feet walking around and (laughs) a little bit of the scenery when we point a flashlight out there. But, man, it's nothing. It's nothing to see us. And you can't watch us really vlog about our settings, about where we're at, what we're doing. This was the first Photog Adventure where I had this with me. And it attaches to my GoPro. And there's this little – it is a USB – lit up LED light, and it's perfectly form-fitting for a GoPro K. so it fits on there nice, and it Velcros around and attaches tightly, but then it needs a power source, and the power source I chose was one of those typical iPhone chargers that you would see. They're a little column that has a charge to it, and you plug in a USB cord into it to draw the power out of it, and it works awesome for this LED light. In this video, you can see me walking towards my location where I got off to the left a little bit more so I can capture more of the hill instead of the trees being in front of it. It's terribly blinding. It's amazingly bright. (laughs) I mean, the thing has probably an array of 16 to 24 LEDs on it, and I taped over 20 of the 24 lights, and it still blinds us. It makes us look like we're squinting into the sun when we try and talk to it, so we just ignore that blindness, try and fake that we're okay and we're staring into the maw of heaven that this light source is and talking to the GoPro. And it worked really well for me that night. I wish I had more footage of it. I didn't use it as much as I thought I would, but, you know, when you have other people out there with you, you don't want to turn on lights too much, especially one that is a, oh, man. It is bright. It is the source of light like the sun, and so if people have their shutter open, it would ruin their shot immediately. So I didn't use it too much, but I loved it. This LED light worked really well, and I'm going to keep using it in future Vodog Adventures.
1: Yeah, that was definitely something that overdelivered. delivered Oh, yeah, It was absolutely. really, really bright. I was so seriously surprised how bright, how bright it was.
0: <laughs> Very cheap, fits the GoPro perfectly, and I just take that cylinder that has the charge and tape it with gaffer's tape around yeah. the yeah. selfie stick that's for the GoPro, and it works out fantastically. It yeah. carries itself. Yeah, all right. Let's go ahead and take our last break, and we'll come back and talk about what we learned from this trip, and we'll go into gear time with Brandon and tip of the week. back to our last segment of the Photog Adventures podcast. Wanted to thank you guys for listening and enjoying this trip with us and listening all the tips we have about astrophotography. We promise that there will be more landscape photography in the future. In fact, as of this recording in September, what we're doing for this July 6th podcast, we've been out a lot and we have gone out to sunsets and we've had some awesome moments in Cyan National Park. And so this is not just an astrophotography podcast. It is very much a landscape photography podcast. So Bear with us. Wait for our weekly podcast to come out, and there's a lot more
1: adventures to be had. Let's talk about what could have gone better on this trip, Brendan. I don't know. I mean, I think the trip in general went really well. I mean, we forgot a couple little things, like we we were cold because we were we weren't oh, expecting gloves. we weren't expecting, and you can see in the video we weren't expecting the temperature to drop <laughs> no. to forty something degrees. It's July sixth. It was July 6th, and we went out there, and it was 66 degrees when we pulled in the parking lot. I'm like, it is significantly colder <laughs> out here. And we were like, and I'm like, it's going to get cold tonight, and we were not prepared for that. Underestimated
0: so. the elevation we'd go up just to get to that location.
1: And now I know why people were out there. They were ah. literally getting 20 to 30 degrees cooler in that area. Than Avoiding they were the down heat. T- and the city and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's a great summer location because you can cool off. Um so, I mean, yeah, that's what that, what could have gone better, was we could have been better prepared for the weather, for the cold. Could have had a beanie, could have had gloves, could have had a windbreaker and all that good stuff. Um, but in general, it went really, really well And uh, the fact that it seems like every time we go out and do something and make an effort to go to a new location, something cool happens. And I just love that. I mean, just something, this particular trip inspired, Specifically, we ran into Royce, and he was awesome, and we got to hang out with them. Things are opening up, things are coming up, and working out. Just yeah, fantastic. we haven't been. De- I mean, we haven't had gold in every single thing we've done. I of mean, there's not. some times where we've had huge failures, right? But <laughs> right, um, clouds over the sky can't control that.
0: Zero know? clouds and nothing interesting.
1: Camera goes wacky, and you get a seriously uh, huge white frame. Don't bring up. Don't <laughs> bring up Bryce Canyon yet. We have another week so, before that comes out. You know, things happen. And, uh, but it seems like nine out of the 10 times we're, you know, we're getting some gold and it's great.
0: Yeah. Loving it. Yeah. Still, we have plenty of things that photographically could have gone better. And there's just a few minor things that I noticed and things that I learned about photographing the Milky Way Mm -hmm. in water. Our own eyes—we're out there in a the light pollution. We see only the brightest stars. We go to a dark sky site and we look at light, at the skies, and there's thousands of extra stars that we mm. couldn't even see before. You thinking, "Where's the Mickey? Where's the uh, Big Dipper?" Oh crap! It's somewhere over here, but it's oh, kind of—it's it. yeah. it's lost in all these other stars. Now, Big Dipper is probably not a good example because it's one that's still pretty visible. But trying to see Cassiopeia, trying to see the Andromeda constellation, those landmarks that you thought you had before are just gone because there's Mm. so many stars Mm -hmm. so then you have a long exposure and you're exposing the milky way and you're seeing tons and dozens of thousands of more stars and yet in the water we found it we talked about in our video they just don't pop up we see Mm. the brightest of the stars only and so you've got this one half of your image that's just sandy beach speckled with lights and then below it's sort of like uh, well a rocky beach that has only a few rocks on the beachfront it is a completely different view the Milky Way is visible in color but as far as the amount of stars you're seeing only the brightest and so it goes from thousands of thousands of stars above to a mere thousand of stars below
1: so it's like the water is acting like a dark filter like it's blocking so much of that light and even though it seemed like we could see the reflections well in our eyes. Yeah, I didn't notice the difference in my eye with yeah. my eye and only. So, so the camera is somehow not really picking that up. So Royce had a tip for that, and um, maybe we can mention it. Yeah, go ahead and mention it because I want to put it into practice next time. So Royce mentioned that you take a longer exposure in the water... And then when you're taking your regular exposure in the sky, then you can match those two up and you can have a really bright reflection in the water. If you're running Magic Lantern on your Canon, or if you have an
0: intervalometer.
1: Interval- intervalometer for your Sony or your Nikon, then you can easily set it to a minute, you know, 90 seconds or whatever, and really just absorb that light. And yeah, you're going to blow it out and you're going to have star trails, but you can work with that brightness in a layering situation and overlay, it, overlay that brightness with your other shot and then pull out a lot more, you know, light and some more detail and stuff.
0: So the last thing that I learned was that the Canon 70D can get away with the high ISO. I would never use an 8,000 ISO on a regular Milky Way shot, but when I was doing the reflection, I did the 8,000, I I wasn't so bad. There was some noise. If I had tried to light paint my foreground with that ISO, it would have really been a horrible idea. But in that dark scene, in that dark moment, and in the reflection of the water where it's just a little fuzzy anyway, I could get away with the noise at Mm -hmm. 8,000. So I was very impressed that the 70D could have that kind of performance where it wasn't ruining the picture automatically by having anything over Mm -hmm. 3,200. 4,000, 5,200, 6,400, 8,000, those were okay, especially in the reflection. So I just wanted to say that anyone who's not a pixel peeper could look at my picture there and see that lower half, and be totally satisfied with it, and not disrupted by the noise that happened in that. So well done, Canon 70D. Well done. Okay. So now let's go into our favorite segment for those who want to follow along with gear suggestions and gear tips
1: with Brendan. We have gear time with Brendan. So for today, in gear time, I'm gonna talk about camera batteries. You can choose your batteries um, based on reviews and price. I always do, I mean, Amazon is a great resource eBay tries to do reviews, but nobody leaves reviews on eBay. So if you can find no. a good review on Amazon and you find a cheaper price at eBay, go for it. If it's the same exact thing. And um, these are looking for
0: any kind of battery or more more third-party batteries and not the Canon or Nikon brand Yeah, batteries. you're
1: always going to get decent reviews with the Canon and the Nikon and what, Sony or whatever you're being. It's a brand name. But I'm always like the bargain hunter. So I've <laughs> always like, you know, when you can pay half the price or less and the reviews are stellar then you know you got to try it so um i do use aftermarket batteries i've got one canon battery that came with the camera and then i have four aftermarket batteries that i use all the time i hardly ever use my canon battery
0: you don't even use it in the beginning until it runs out and then go to those no because
1: my aftermarket's are bigger and oh. i just and they're and they're paired up and so i just use those four all the time the canon is my last resort battery <laughs> so um after after using a certain brand, I use SDK. So I've been ordering SDK for the last couple of years now, and I've been using them, and they never, they've never failed me. Um, I also like Wasabi Power. I have a few GoPro batteries and some other batteries in our, in our office. SDK is my first choice, and I, they're bigger capacity. They last longer. When you double them up into, like, a battery grip, they last forever, it seems like. So, I mean, it takes a lot to drain those things. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, one thing tip of advice is if you're making like a $1 or $2 choice difference, you know, don't get too nitpicky for a couple dollars. You know, if the reviews are solid and you spend a couple more dollars, trust me, it's worth it because you don't want your batteries to poop out. I bought some batteries before where you charge them and literally a couple days later when you go to use them, they're dead. They just drain. And, and I can like, vouch for that. Why aren't they holding a charge? It's crazy. Absolutely.
0: I bought a pair of deck batteries now deck might be an awesome brand and some of you had more success than I have had but they had a lifespan of four months by four months in I was really getting about one third to maybe 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 half the battery power of the Canon I could put it in the Canon and I can go for so many hours recording capturing doing a time lapse but when I put in my deck I was starting to find out that when I would charge them up before going a big trip and I'd get out there, I'd put the deck in and they would have a bar gone already. They just oh, yeah. start out drained. Yeah. And then they wouldn't last as long. So I can vouch for a DEK as a battery choice that I made that wasn't worth the money. Now we're talking mm-hmm. 20 bucks for two of them. So I wasn't really hurt by the fact that they didn't work more than four months. But four months in, yeah. I'm already having to buy Wasabi Power and SDKs to replace them. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've had the same SDKs for all a little over a year now.
0: Oh, so I just so order them better. right when I get my
1: camera. And I just did it based on reviews and I remember, oh, I think I remember this brand from last time because my camera got stolen. So after mm. I had to get new stuff, I thought, I, I think you I remember this brand and I ordered again and sure enough, man, they have they have come through. I mean, they're just like, like a no-name,
0: <laughs> no-name
1: brand and they're totally uh, the great quality, great quality. So I'm super happy with that. So that's one of my recommendations and uh, obviously, if you go with your with your brand, if it's Nikon or Canon or Sony, you buy that brand name battery, that will ultimately be the highest quality in my opinion. But if you're looking to save, you know, if you're on a budget, and you're looking to save a little bit of dough, that's my recommendation is to go with an aftermarket that's highly reviewed and SDK is my recommendation.
0: That's awesome. And I'm certainly happy that I bought the Wasabi Power instead of the D.E.K., and then my next purchase will absolutely be STK. I want to see how they go. If you're talking about them a year after purchasing them, then they're good enough for me. Yeah. That's awesome. So with our tip of the week, I want to go ahead and take a little bit of a snippet out of the e-book that was written by Roy Spear. Roy Spear's e-book is Milky Way Nightscapes. If you go to intothenightphotography.com, you will find his blog and you'll find access to his ebook and we'll put links in the description of the podcast so that you can find it there as well. Or go to our website, photogadventures.com and navigate over to the post where we talk about this podcast, and I'll have the show notes in there as well and talk about this book. So I wanna talk about two quick tips that came from his book. I have had two other books that I've read through for Nightscapes Photography and all the nighttime photography, and one of the things that Royce's book has is it has awesome examples side by side. You get to see, okay, if you do it this way, like I recommend, you get this quality. But this is what it looks like if you don't do it. And he does that very well. So Royce, I love this book. And I think every one of you, if you love astrophotography, you need to get out there and buy this book. So here's a quick tip from him. Talk about the evaluate your exposure. And we're going to talk about something that's just a gear related tip that is smart to do when you're out there using a red light. So some of you are probably running into this problem because I've done it and don't realize it even is a problem. I have pictures that I'm proud of that are in my portfolio that probably have this histogram. So how do you know if you're underexposed? How do you recognize that all of that histogram that's on the left, how is this the bad one versus the good one? The easy way that Royce Bear points out is that you need to have more of a separation for the Milky Way versus the night sky. Your foreground, your dark black in the foreground, is going to be in the far left, a huge peak that's right up to the top of the histogram, but hopefully not all the way to the left and blown out and totally blackened off. Then, instead of having immediately a camel hump that goes right next to it, really high, and ends in that first third, that first fourth of the histogram, you want it to stretch out to the midpoint. If you can get a better separation of the blacks of the foreground and your Milky Way and it's spread out with a lower hump that goes all the way to the midpoint, you'd know that you have the proper exposure. My issue was is when I would set up my settings to be this kind of exposure, I'd see it on my LCD screen and it would look like, okay, here's the Milky way nice and crisp in this setting where I see a dark sky on right and left of it. And it's really featured. I'm like, okay, that looks better. I bring up the exposure and try a different setting. I end up having this Milky Way shot, a really light, very too bright, almost left and right of the Milky Way, and then it gets dark on the edges. And I think on my LCD screen, okay, that's way too bright. I'm blowing out the Milky Way. It's getting so bright that I have this halo, this large glow on both sides of the Milky Way instead of having a nice dark contrasting sky. What Royce is pointing out here is that A proper exposed nightscape that has greater separation in the histogram, that sky portion will be more separated from the silhouette of the landscape, and it'll have spread out far enough that you can actually fix it in post-processing much easier. It'll have less noise. It'll have much higher quality in the tonal fidelity, and you have this uh, dynamic range resolved. And so before, I was all the way on the left, practically entirely in my histograms, and now I'm trying to focus more on capturing at a higher ISO if I can't go much longer on my exposure because I'm trying to keep that star trail from not happening on those stars and keep them really, really tight and nice of dots, I bring that ISO up higher. And I do that and I get a much better exposed Milky Way that I can work with better in Lightroom. Just pay attention to your histogram. If you're all the way on the left and nothing's touching the midpoint of your histogram, you're probably not going enough and you're just a bit underexposing your Milky Way. So that's a great tip from from Royce Baer. And the last one's a very fast one. When you're working at night and depending on your camera and your lens, my lens, I have a nice big white bar on the left side of it so I know where it is in relationship to my mount on my camera so I can connect those very easily. But sometimes you try and do it where you switch out a lens at night and you're trying to keep your eyesight for the dark. And so you're not using your white part of your headlamp. You're going to use your dark red light of your headlamp. Looking at your red dot that's on your camera mount and looking at the red dot that's on your lens mount, you're not going to be able to recognize them in the red light. They just kind of disappear. (laughs) So Royce Bear has recommended that you do a nice little green Sharpie circle around your red mark, and then you will see that as a black circle around your red mark when you look at it with your headlamp. It's a great tip. So just a quick thing to do if you have a certain lens that doesn't have any indication on the sides and you don't feel comfortable finding it in the dark. Your quickest way to find in the dark is your red color headlamp and then see that green circle around it and snap. It'll be right on and you won't lose that moment you were trying to capture. Very cool. So thank you guys for following along with us. We're doing our Mirror Lake podcast today. Follow along with us next week as we come back and talk about our trip to Bryce Canyon for the Perseid Meteor Shower. And we'll talk about that in our next week podcast. So that stay was a t- fun trip. Oh, it was awesome. Other than a major flaw in what something I did. So stay tuned for more Photog Adventures podcasts, and we'll catch up with you guys in a week. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.